Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. Hi there, and welcome back to another episode of Fashion Unzipped, the new podcast from the Telegraph fashion team. Today, we're bringing you into a few of the conversations we're having on the fashion desk. In a moment, we'll talk about the latest sexual misconduct allegations to come down on fashion insiders, what we've learned from a year of Melania Trump, and what exactly the Queen's bra fitter did to lose her royal warrant. But first, introductions. I'm Emily Cronin, Senior Fashion Editor. With me in the studio are Bethan Holt, Fashion News and Features Director. Hello. Carla Bradley, fashion production editor. Hi. And Charlie Gowans Eglinton, senior fashion editor. Hi. Thanks for being here, everyone. Let's start with the serious stuff. Over the weekend, the New York Times published a major investigation into sexual misconduct by two leading photographers against male models and former assistants. Thirteen men have come forward with claims of inappropriate behavior from Mario Testino, 15 from Bruce Weber, both big, big photographers. Now, this doesn't come as a complete surprise. We actually published a story back in December about two men who came forward with allegations about Bruce Weber. But this larger investigation has come out in the middle of the men's fashion shows, which is obviously adding fuel to the fire with so many people on hand to discuss it. As Stephen Doig, our men's style editor, wrote in his report from Milan, talk on the front row has shifted from trouser lengths and suit cuts to far more disturbing matters. Editors and stylists have been comparing notes on the latest fashion scandal. One fashion insider said, There's a huge movement to protect girls in our industry. The young men who make it as models have been completely forgotten about. Weber denies the claims, and lawyers for Testino have, I think quite slimily, said that his accusers, quote, cannot be considered reliable sources. Stephen really wanted to be here for this conversation, but he's actually on a flight back from Milan right now. I'm really glad that Carla's here with us for this one, because Carla works with all of our models and agents for all of our shoots, and we'll have a really uh, good perspective on this. Carla, is this the beginning of fashion's Me Too moment? Um, I think things have been trickling for a while. Um, James Scully is a casting director who's been working with brands like Stella McCartney and Tom Ford, and um, he kind of held a mirror up to the industry in March last year when he was talking about diversity on the catwalks of Balenciaga. He then had a whole host of stories from models who said they'd been treated badly by casting directors for the show, they then were fired. So I feel like there's a bit of momentum about the treatment of models building. I think that it's probably coming to the forefront now because these photographers, not only do they work with fashion brands, but they also work 
across so many different areas, like Mario Testino has been shooting for the royal family, for you know, Vanity Fair with celebrities, it's kind of much more in the public profile. I think it's a really good positive move in the right direction. I think obviously all of these claims haven't been proved. We've got to be very careful about saying that. Obviously, all these reports have now come out and all the allegations have been made. Some models have come forward and and, and former assistants willing to be on record about Hestino and Weber. But what do you think the industry's actual reaction will be obviously we had vogue bring out a kind of a code of conduct and mm. say all these things that they are now not going to let happen on fashion shoots but do you think you know for the average male model who's on a shoot things are going to be any different now or even female model i think that um people are picking up on the general feeling and you know agencies i think have been much clearer about the boundaries that are allowed within a creative relationship on a shoot or in a show between model and photographer, model and stylist, things in place like the model charter that was signed by LVMH and Kering in September last year, I want to say, um, which was kind of to ensure the, the safe workplace of models. So I think it's all moving in the right direction. I think the problem is, is that it's been so long has been kind of an accepted part of what modeling is Edie Campbell did a really great um, open letter to WWD about it saying you know you enter this unspoken contract with your photographer your creative team you get completely made over into what they want you to be and so it's a, a relationship that requires a lot of trust so I think more parameters like this like the model alliance like the model charter is only going to be a positive thing for models in the industry. I think as well, post-Weinstein, we're seeing just these allegations taken so much more seriously and people are responding at speed. I think in the past, you know, Terry Richardson has famously been uh, accused of, of many counts of sexual harassment, but that's that's dated back years. And while many people kind of at the time that they were in the press were saying we won't be working with him, mm. brands and magazines have continued to. What we've seen here with... Weber and Testino is, you know, Anna Winter issued a statement within hours. You know, it's difficult for them because they're friends. They find it hard to believe. But And of course, they're not saying we believe this and, you know, they're not taking a side. But what they are saying is that while this is under investigation, they won't be working with those photographers. And nicely are standing with the victims, which I think is like a a shift in, in power. You know, for me, one of the differences is that with Weinstein, what we saw were actors who were the top of the food chain coming forward and and that was incredibly empowering to women who who were less powerful who then felt emboldened to come forward with their claims here when you look at like the fashion ecosystem although in every other field you know men dominate male models are really mm. the least powerful people in any fashion setting uh, they're often you know cast as extras effectively mm. you, you've said so the fact that this is sort of igniting our own scandal is is quite surprising and, and I think brave for those men to come forward. Such a taboo about what, you know, about that whole kind of what it is to be a man and how you can handle yourself in those situations. And I think that um, I read an interesting article actually with James Scully on Them, the new Teen Vogue platform. Um, and he was just saying that it's quite hard to stand up you know, as a man in that situation and speak out about your abuse or your harassment. So it's kind of a really positive movement in that sense that it's the male model speaking up. Also, I mean, we all know that money talks and and Mm. it 
may not be, may not say the best things about human nature, but I have a feeling that anyone else who's concerned about their own behavior will really take notice of the fact that Burberry, Michael Kors, and Stuart Weitzman are among the brands that have said that they won't work with Testino mm-hmm. while these allegations are are still unsettled. So there's that. I think it's a case of people really taking responsibility for their own ethics and moral judgment when it comes to brands and who you collaborate with and how you treat people on set from interns up to, you know, creative directors. I think it's, you know, it's about taking responsibility for your actions. On a somewhat lighter note, last week the Queen's lingerie supplier Rigby and Peller was stripped of its royal warrant following the owner's publication of a tell-all book. The lingerie vendor had held the royal warrant for 57 years, but had it revoked after June Kenton, bra fitter to the Queen, published Storm in a D-Cup, her autobiography, last year. This is obviously sad for Kenton and her company, but her publishers must be, in some business-minded part of their consciousness is really thrilled. This has to be the best publicity that the book could have managed. And I know that I'm curious to find out what she actually divulged. I mean, Bethan, you interviewed June last year, didn't you? I did, yes. Um, around the time that the book came out, we we did a big interview with her to publicise the book. And it's actually, I would really recommend it, not for all the sordid details of the Queen's bras, because um, for anyone who does want that sort of thing, I'm afraid to disappoint you that there's not really that much of it actually Um, but it's a really lovely book about a woman who's had an incredibly interesting life um, from her career becoming probably the most famous and proficient bra fitter in the country to all her dealings with the royal family it's a romp definitely but June was a really lovely lady I feel sorry for her I feel sad I can just imagine her now being at home she's had this incredible career and being really heartbroken by this by this decision it does seem quite harsh yeah I wonder if if it was the queen that took the decision or if it you know was more sort of she'd gone against the rules and so some private secretary or lord chamberlain somewhere had to royal protocol Exactly. I'm sure there was no malice in it, but I don't think any of us would be thrilled to kind of have a fly-in-the-wall account of a bra fitting of our own, (laughs) and we're not royalty. I don't even like to be there for my own bra (laughs) fittings. I mean, the book contains some hilarious details about the royal family. So June was a, a very good friend of Princess Diana, so there's a lot of anecdotes about her time spent with the princess and meeting William and Harry and sending them lingerie posters to put up in their rooms at Eton. She also introduced Diana to the woman who created all her swimsuits for that holiday in 1997 that she took with Dodie Al-Fayed. They've become quite famous images now. Um, There's also some very... Uh, cutting anecdotes about the Princess Margaret and her behaviour. Um, but that's probably nothing that isn't detailed in some other form elsewhere. Like what? Like what? So um, there's a moment when June is with the Queen Mother and the Queen Mother is being kind of spoken to by Margaret and being told what to do and Margaret's telling her what hat she should wear and um, then Margaret leaves the room and the Queen Mother says, oh well, I'll just wear what I want but she has to pretend 
I have to pretend that she's being listened to. Um, and Margaret demanding that she must have all her swimwear made especially for her, not wear ready to wear, even though June insists that it would fit her a lot better and be much more flattering if it was, you know, one of these new technical ready to wear swimming costumes. I love thinking of swimwear as ready to wear. <laughs> it does raise the question, though, of where the Queen will be shopping now for her yes. unmentionables. One out of three women in the UK wears M&S bras. And four out of four, four in, this, yeah. in, this in this room at Is some occasion true? or another. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Today? Yeah. Uh, no, not today. Not. No, not. Yeah, I think pretty much every day. I've gone bottom there? and not top. this saturday marks one year since the inauguration of president trump and yes it still pains me to say that but for today for our purposes the anniversary marks one year of melania and melania has uh ushered in this era of throwback femininity that that i i think we can all agree feels quite regressive after michelle obama definitely um what else has she taught us taught us oh i'm not sure that we'll be actually taking any style lessons from melania but thank you good clarification yes (laughs) however it has been entertaining to say the least i mean i think we can all agree that if we just put melania in a fashion box she would be fascinating to watch you know how how will she ever better her sixty thousand pound dolce gabbana couture coat which she wore for a world leaders summit in Sicily, I mean. And who else would wear six inch stilettos in a hurricane zone? But you know what, she does inspire sales, I think for a lot of um, women across the, the world actually. I remember just after the inauguration, she was wearing a Roxanne dress at some point, or maybe it was on the campaign trail. And a leading um, online retailer had said that, well their marketing team had said that it sold out within a day of her wearing Roxanne it. Roxanne hated that by the way. Yeah, well, she I'm was sure. <laughs> I, I think she definitely loves her designer labels, but, mm. you know, is throwing money at the situation necessarily the best way? I mean, Michelle Obama had made such a name for her diplomatic dressing when she would visit other countries in the same way that our royals do. But Michelle Obama also supported young American designers. She would, you know, really think about how much money was spent on a garment that she would perhaps be wearing and on a charity visit. In terms of the prices. It's... Mm. it's You know, you could tell that Michelle Obama had a team and you could tell that that was something that was being planned and discussed. And, you know, she didn't put a stylish foot wrong, in my opinion. Whereas I think with Melania, sometimes you do wonder, as with the hurricane stilettos, Mm -hmm. whether anyone could have perhaps just popped in and said, maybe change your shoes before you enter a disaster zone. To be fair, I mean, I'm not defending Melania here, but... Everyone has a go about those hurricane stilettos. And she actually only wore them to get on the plane when she wasn't in the hurricane zone. And then when she got off the plane, she was wearing Stan Smith's. Well, by then she'd probably but already the, the, the damage. She didn't. was wearing them when she got off the plane and then she quickly changed. Uh, we'll ha- maybe we should <laughs> clarify. We need to check whether it's it's an embarkation or a debarkation photo. <laughs> but I, I mean, the family doesn't really seem to mind about any of those kind of things on a broader political scale. So I feel like her kind of nod to democratic or diplomatic dressing is kind of quite, chimes quite nicely with, that's just a personal thought of, of the Trump good, administration. I think that's a good point. It's not like 
Melania is pretending to be anything she's not. You know, she was the wife of a billionaire. And she's a wife of a president who frequently insults other countries. So, I mean, to it, it would be wise for her to try and use her, her tools of dressing to kind of nod or appease a country, but I don't think that's their their style. I get the sense that often she really doesn't even want to be there. And she's almost, you know consoling herself with the dressing up opportunities. Mm. Well, when she went to Paris, she wore the Christian Dior red suit, didn't she? Is that what Charlie's showing us right now? No, she's coming off the plane. Oh, no, that's her off the plane in the stilettos. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, fair, Trump himself dressed like he was going to a golf course to visit the... uh, He probably was after the the disaster zone. (laughs) It's the only way he knows. (laughs) I I mean, I think another aspect of her that, that has surprised me has been how strongly some people feel that she is this paragon of femininity Mm. and should be admired for, you know, showing us all the right way to be women. Nipped in waists and tailored skirts. Mm. It's kind of part of that Trump package, isn't it? Mm. That is his his own political appeal, is that he is tapping into that kind of nostalgia for a better former time and making America great again. And it's like that perhaps, 1950s housewife on totally, your arm. Melania is is the embodiment of that. Um, We're just not her target. Well, target demographic. it makes her a lot less relatable as well than Michelle Obama. You could see the real woman there. You could see the mother and, you know, the woman with her own aspirations and career with Melania. Well, I've only heard her talk once. You know, I think there's there's no personality there. And that was a plagiarised Michelle Obama yeah, speech. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was Michelle. I heard Michelle. After the inauguration, of course, came the Women's March and the birth of the Pussy Hat. And this Sunday will be the one-year anniversary of the march. So organisers have planned a number of follow-up events, including a Time's Up anniversary rally opposite Downing Street in London. Check womensmarchlondon.com and our site for more information. Which reminds me, we round up all of the stories, the pictures, and links relevant to the podcast in a new story on the site every week. Visit telegraph.co.uk slash fashion to find out more about these and other stories. And please do subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And if you'd like to leave us, say, a five-star review, we'd be very grateful. All right, guys, I have a question for you. What is the first thing that you do when you get home from the office and walk through the door? I must admit, I switch on the radio and the kettle and put on my slippers. That's three things at once. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a woman. I can multitask. Oh, very good. I have two hands and two feet. I've been actually trying to be good and going to the gym after the office. So as soon as I get back from the gym, I'm straight into more comfortable trackies after my gym leggings. Yeah, I think I'm, maybe I'm quite predictable. I usually just change into my pajamas, get into home mode. There's a theme here. I get home, I bolt upstairs, and right before I take over with the kids, I change into the softest clothes that I can get my hands on, usually my 12-year-old university sweatpants. But that's okay because it's January. I have declared this a fashion trend, and we're calling it joy of missing out dressing, the idea that after all of the sequins and party dresses and high heels that we allegedly wore during the holidays, the only clothes suitable to get us through January are soft ones. Emily's written a story about this, actually, for today's paper, rounding up some of the brands that are bringing a luxe spin to the kind of clothes you might like to wear for a Netflix binge. So slightly more glamorous than the trackies, although no judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, how's everybody else coping with January blues? Yeah, I do love... Um, I have my sort of my cashmere jumpers that I wear 
for work and every day because I get very cold. And then once they're a bit too kind of bobbly, I retire them to my home only box. And that is like my ultimate comfort. An old Marks and Spencer's cashmere jumper, I think. Um, Holy and worn in and yeah. Exactly. Perfect. With mystery stains. Yeah. We were pretty <laughs> unanimous on the um, Ugg slippers when we yep. polled the office yes. earlier. Love a sheepskin slipper. The slide-in slippers, though, not the backed ones. Yes. With a, <laughs> with a nice pair of maybe cashmere socks as well. Although we did also discover that Blue Monday is a myth. Uh, no scientific ev- evidence. <laughs> um, pseudoscience and perhaps some uh, crackpot theories. But Emily, a lot of the brands you found actually are, are nice enough to wear outside of the house. Oh my gosh, you'd have to to justify the price tag, <laughs> wouldn't you? Um, I spoke with Olivia Von Halle, the creator of really luxurious silk pajamas and also um, the Missy tracksuit, which is... Thousand pound cashmere. Thousand pound, but it's not cashmere. It's actually 85% silk, 15% cashmere blend, which is one of the reasons it's so expensive. Wow. And it's cut with this really roomy silhouette. So, you know, you can see Jennifer Lopez wearing it and, and she looks... I mean, she looks amazing because she's Jennifer Lopez, but she looks basically like one of us at home Mm. on the sofa. Um, Incredibly comfortable. I would love to look like Jennifer Lopez at home on the sofa (laughs) in my old M&S jumper. I I did have a pair of Juicy Couture cashmere trackies when I was younger. They're coming back. Which was... (laughs) J-Lo was right all along. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Toast, the high street store, has a range of cashmere jumpers, but they also have this terrific loungewear category, which is really what what the head of design described to me as the clothes that we all change into when we get home. Uh, So it's really featherweight, like fine gauge cashmere. And the jumpers all have long, very narrow sleeves, like extra long, so you can kind of pull them over your thumbs with a rolled hem. They definitely look like a step up from what I've been wearing. Mm. What's that? um, You introduced me to the um, Zara, the Inditex lounge. No, the Inter- Oishé. 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 Brilliant. Yes. So Oishé is another online um, website from Inditex, the people behind uh, what Zara, uh, Bershka, Massimo Dutti. Everyone. Um, and it is just amazing luxe, you know, but very contemporary price point or mid-range price point. Evening wear, robes, gowns, um, silk, pajamas, active wear. It's got everything you need for like cozy January, basically. I love the idea of being like a kind of fabulous, glossy woman, sort of floating around the house in silk and just like gorgeousness. Me, just like me, exactly. But yeah, the reality is a little bit less glamorous. Well, they have silk pajamas for £80. Yeah. So reasonable. I just don't know if they're warm enough, though, silk pajamas. Oh, no, they are. Proper silk pajamas. Mm, I need to try. My other favorite thing if it's not quite nighttime yet is leggings I have to admit like my workout leggings really kind of sucky and just easy to wear and you can leave the house in those which maybe you can't in your pajama bottoms I love that leggings are like your guilty secret (laughs) it's my confession of the week (laughs) no one's wearing leggings mind you in in the office we, we should probably oh. reiterate that. No. You know, there's there's lipstick happening in this podcast booth. There's Oh, yeah, we've all dressed up for today. <laughs> yeah. Although there are lots of cosy jumpers going on as well. Yeah, I'm, like I said, not leaving, the, not leaving the house without cashmere this month. But, I mean, I was heartened to read that yesterday was the first day of the year when the sun rose before 8 a.m. It Hooray. was up at 7.59. So 
a whole minute. <laughs> but there is uh, there is an end in sight. The days are going to get longer again. And of course, there's the new season to look forward to. And it's not just about clothes, is it? Like one of the loveliest things for me this January has been one of my friends um, has been making these lovely little bath bundles. She kind of wraps them up in muslin and it's oats and lavender and essential oils and you pop it in your bath and it makes it all kind of milky and you can rub it all over you and you just feel so lovely at the end of it. And I just feel like on a dark night or a cold morning, just luxuriating in a bath is something that I wouldn't really do that much the rest of the year. This is great. I'm taking it to the next level and I've been doing at-home massages with Ruby App, which I I think that's how you pronounce it. I couldn't recommend more highly. I book at 7 how o'clock. How do you spell that? Um, R-U-B-Y-A-P-P. Noted. Um, yeah, booked at 7, massage at 10.30 that evening in my house. It's like dreamy. Yeah. So tell me, is anyone actually social media detoxing? I'm not. No. But I must say, I'm using it for different things. I last week stole a recipe off Alice Levine's Instagram stories and went home and made it for dinner but what did you make (laughs) uh rye bread with tahini and mackerel eggs it was delicious thank you Alice Levine it does not sound delicious it was delicious my cooking drive is getting me through January Holiday inspiration as yeah, well, I think. For those people smug enough to have managed to book a holiday Caroline, in January. I actually beat Blue January, though. I booked it on Saturday, so I was kind of you ahead the of the curve. Yeah, I had the high for Monday, and I didn't actually realise it was Blue Monday. But yes, I've booked tickets to San Francisco in April, so I'm using Instagram for that travel inspiration, screen-grabbing lots of places. It's funny how we use Instagram now in that way. I mean, when I was in Paris, I... Um, I followed an Instagram post to a bakery that does these really picturesque and turns out delicious pistachio and chocolate snails, like pastries Mm. the size of your head that, you know, pistachio and chocolate in them, and uh, found it on Instagram. I mean, brands definitely have to think about the Instagram, Instagram ability, clothes, food, all of it. But I do, I mean, Charlie, you know, based on what you said, I do feel that I should be doing some kind of social media detox. It's just some color on a cold, dark night, isn't it? Mm. I think in this room, certainly, we're all we're all fans. But I wish that I could not spend as much time on it because I always want to spend more time reading. And I sort of, even though I enjoy scrolling through Instagram, I do get to the end and I'm like, oh, that was 15 minutes. I what know, did I really learn? I could have read a chapter of a book in that time. And so it isn't a constant battle with myself. Not all time has to be productive time, right? So it's okay just to do things that are a little bit mindless. But what is the right amount of time to spend on Instagram? Like, what do you think is reasonable? I don't think it's even trackable now, though, these days, because you pick up your phone. I mean, I certainly do. I know I probably got a problem. Well, my husband would definitely say I have a problem. But you don't track the time that you're just scrolling absentmindedly, whether it's on a bus or if you're waiting to talk to someone, you know, it's a a knee-jerk reaction. There are apps for that. There's, um, I think there's one called Moment that you can go back to and, and it tells you how much time you spent in each app, oh, how much time your phone was active. I will download that today and give it a try. <laughs> I, I think, think I If you really to. want to feel bad about your habits, yes. then there's an Charlie, app Charlie, I may be signing off social media by the end of next week. <laughs> You can read Emily's full coverage of the story in today's paper and online. And please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any of the great stories we have coming up. We've almost reached the end of our episode, but first let's share something that we're all excited about this week. 
Bethan, what are you into? So I'm very excited this weekend. I'm going to visit my friend Sophie, who lives in Geneva, and she is taking me cross-country skiing. Oh, wow. Which I've never tried before, and I'm hoping I don't break my leg. Oh my gosh, please don't break your leg. It's too close to Fashion Week for exactly. that. <laughs> it can't be on crutches. But I think it is a, a safer form of skiing than the normal skiing. Um, it's like shuffling on snow, right? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So it sounds like you're a bit skeptical as to why I'm excited about this. No, no. I think it sounds safer than skiing and slower and, you know, more accessories because you get, you know, snowshoes and poles. I'm all for it. Totally. And I'm hoping maybe I just get a slight tan as well it's been a long time Mm. since I've seen the sun and at the top of a mountain you can usually get some good color I'll be taking an afternoon off to uh, finally go and see the Rachel White Reed exhibition at the Tate Britain I think I must be the last person in Britain to see it or certainly the last person on my Instagram feed Um, on until Sunday so if you're in London if you've got a couple of hours to spare then highly recommended actually have no excuse. I live two streets away. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very near the office, so, you know, easy for us. Um, I'm rather selfishly looking forward to a haircut that I've just booked on Sunday, which I've left far too long, months, and taming my unruly curly hair. So more January R&R, basically. Nothing extreme, I'm hoping? Well, I was thinking about cutting it super short after my wedding, Ooh. but I have stuck with trying to keep it long this year, so just a trim. Okay, resisting the January. I mean, you may see me Monday and I'm coming in with a little bob, so. (laughs) I'm sure that you'll look fabulous, whatever you decide. Um, I'm excited. I'm seeing a friend tomorrow night who I haven't actually seen since before she had her baby in August. Um, And a little bit sad that I'm not going to be meeting the baby, but very happy that I'm giving my friend a night out at a cocktail bar. Mm -hmm. So, um, And actually, sometimes she listens to Fashion Unzipped. So hi, Alana. (laughs) See you tomorrow. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at unzipped at telegraph.co.uk. Follow and message us at Telegraph Fashion on Instagram and comment on the stories. And again, please do subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Check back next week for another episode of Fashion Unzipped. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.